Bible reading this morning comes from the book of Acts. We're starting at chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the brave Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would, be not, would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Picurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Here ends our reading. All right. Uh, thanks, Penny, and thanks, Bruce. And uh, hi, my name's Scott. If I haven't met you, I'm one of the ministers here. It's super nice to be in church together. Do yourselves a favour and uh, keep your Bible open at Acts chapter 6. That would actually do me a favour. I'm going to pray for us all in a second. I did want to say, though, if you're not part of a small group, you're invited to join us uh, Monday, Tuesday morning, Tuesday evening, Wednesday evening. All the details of the prayer week are in your bulletins. So even if you're not part of a small group, come along. It would be great to pray with you. All right, I'm going to pray for us all and we'll get underway. Heavenly Father, thank you for being a speaking God. Help us to be a listening people. Amen. Do you surf? Are you a surfer? That was pretty much the second question I got asked uh, when I moved to Manly a few years ago. First question is always the same. How are you? Totally insincere. But um, (laughs) as I shared during the work series, the second question people normally ask is, what do you do? As in, what do you do for work? But uh, everyone knew that No one was hurt during the filming of this. Um, <laughs> but everyone knew that I'd moved to Manly to work, so... Oh, hang on. <laughs> Young love. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? All right. <laughs> everyone knew that I moved... <laughs> Pull it together, Scott. Everyone knew that I moved uh, to Manly to work at St. Matthew's, so you couldn't ask me, what do you do? And so this is what you asked me. Do you surf? And uh, as it turns out... No, I don't. (laughs) And before I moved here, I'm actually unsure whether I'd ever even touched a surfboard before. I mean, I love Manly, used to come here all the time, and uh, love the water, but I'd never tried surfing. And so when people, you, ask me this question, I'd say something like, look, I've never tried it, but I'm keen to give it a go. Now, two and a half years later, you can't keep saying that. It's ridiculous. So I've got to come up with something else. And so I usually say... I just don't have the time to give it a red-hot go, which is completely true. Uh, My sons have given it a go. Even Carolyn has given it a go. We've got enough boards in the house. I just don't have the time to give it a go. But I did notice the last time I got got asked this question, it was just out the front of Queensy, uh, Carolyn came up with an alternative explanation, and she said to our acquaintance, Scott hasn't got very good balance. (laughs) 
which is completely true, I must say. Like, I do not have to worry about falling off my skateboard like Bruce did. I can't get on the darn thing in the first place. I could probably get up on a surfboard if it was like uh, the size of the South Island of New Zealand. <laughs> Other than that, I'm just getting wet. So I'm not completely uncoordinated. I've been uh, riding bikes since I was four, but it's broadly true. I don't have very good balance. It's just that that's not my preferred explanation for why I don't surf. And uh, look, the eight o'clock is this morning. They're, they're so lovely. They want to try and help me fix all my problems. And so uh, one of them said to me, you should try body surfing. It's where you swim with the waves. I'm like, I know, I've been doing that since I was four. And another lady said, you can get these, uh, these foam things called body boards and you just lie on them. I'm like, okay. My favourite one is uh, the lady, she said to me, you know what you should say? You should say, I do surf. I surf the internet every day. <laughs> so if you've got problems, go to 8 o'clock and they will sort them out for you. Now, do you surf? Only in manly could that be the second question that you ask someone. In the Christian life, a better second question, a fundamental question to ask a Christian is, do you serve? Now, it sounds very similar, but it's actually a very important question to consider. Do you serve? And I would say, if you are a Christian and you don't serve in one way, shape, form or another, I think you will be unbalanced as a believer. You won't be the right way up, I don't think. And so today we're going to think about service from Acts chapter 6. And service is the third core value that really undergirds our renewed vision to grow God's church through the gospel. But before we get into all the details of Acts chapter 6, because we're four weeks into this series, like it's necessary for me to bring us all up to speed with where we've been. So as I've just said, our renewed vision here at St. Matthews is to grow God's church through the gospel. Now the gospel is that great message of good news that centers on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And it's the gospel that really grows God's church. And we saw that in our first week. That, that's exactly what happens in the book of Acts. Let's check out just some of, the, uh, some of the references. So Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Those who accepted the message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. Or in, uh, just along in Acts chapter 4, many who heard the message believed. So just the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Or uh, today in Acts chapter 6, verse 7. So the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And so we've already seen from Acts chapter, well, from the early chapters of Acts, that the gospel grows God's church. And so I think that our renewed vision of growing God's church through the gospel is a very good one. Now, in the second week, and from then on, we started to unpack um, some of the core values that really undergird that mission. And so Bible and prayer was our first core value. And of course, it's going to be, because the Bible is the thing that contains the gospel message. Like the good news is just embedded in the 1,000-page book that God has given us. But we also saw from Acts chapter 2 and chapter 4 that this message about Jesus was kind of unleashed when ordinary, unschooled people, in other words, not the trained professionals, but ordinary people, proclaim the message in the power of the Holy Spirit with the backing of the prayers of the believers. And so Bible and prayer is our first core value, and it has to be. Then last week we looked at the second core value of community. 
which is to say that if God is going to grow his church through his gospel in Manly and beyond, we're going to be in it together. We really are. Uh, We'll need to be a caring community because God testifies to himself through us. We'll need to be a community that is pursuing holiness rather than hypocrisy, which is what we saw from that uh, terrifying uh, story of Ananias and Sapphira. And we'll need to be a generous community to firstly ensure that there are no needy people among us, but then also to get the gospel out there because that just costs coin, right? If Neville Naden is going to grow the next generation of indigenous leaders and ministry, it's going to cost. If Bridge of Hope and Heal Africa are going to bring kind of healing and a future in the poorest and most dangerous parts of the world, that's going to cost coin. If the painters are going to be able to translate volume two of the New Bible Dictionary in the Khmer language, that ain't free. If there's someone good enough as Mark is to go to the very left edge of the map, then the people on the very right edge of the map, that's us, are going to need to kick in to support him. And so, of course, we're asking all of us in the lead up to Commitment Day on 20th of November to be generous so that we can grow God's church through the gospel from inside our community in Manly and then beyond. And so that's the story so far. But today we're thinking about our third core value, and that is the value of service. And we're going to see that service is not for everyone. It's the first thing. And then secondly, we're going to see that service is for everyone. Okay, so it's not for everyone. And then it is for everyone. I hope that's clear. Let's press on. <laughs> so firstly then, service. It's not for everyone. Which is really just a cheeky spin on Acts chapter 6. So let's have a look at the story more closely. The end of uh, Acts chapter 5, have a look at verse 42. The gospel juggernaut is thundering on. And it says that even after being jailed and flogged, the apostles never stopped teaching and proclaiming the message. And for that reason, it's no surprise that in chapter 6, verse 1, again, have a look, the number of disciples was increasing. That's a really rosy story at this point, but it gave rise to a problem, a very practical kind of problem. Among the widows, there was a complaint. The Hellenistic widows, that is, Jews who spoke Greek and really behaved like Greeks, thought they were being overshadowed by the Hebraic widows, that is, Jews who spoke Aramaic but were deeply immersed in Hebrew culture. And so you've got these two groups that are both Jewish in background, now both Christian in religion, having a bit of a barney about food. Now, it's very easy to be flippant about this, uh, as though one kid was just complaining that the other kid got a bigger piece of birthday cake. You know, and the answer is simple to that. Don't you just say, look, you get what you get, you don't get upset, right? That's what we all say. But it's actually quite a serious problem. And we know from back in Exodus that when God's people start complaining about food, and it's the same word that's used there about them grumbling against Moses as it is here, that it's a serious issue. And we're talking about those widows who couldn't earn a living for themselves and were relying on this rapidly growing church to keep them alive. So it's serious. But you've got that old kind of rivalry reignited that brought it to the apostles, to the twelve, to sort it out. Now, friends, what we've got here is a classic case of church life, isn't it? 
The apostles have overcome external opposition and persecution, though there is more to come. And they've passed through that extraordinary example of religious deceit and hypocrisy when Ananias and Sapphira were struck down. But, but now they're right in the middle of the usual cut and thrust of church life, where there's division and diversion. So there's division, or at the very least, there's a problem that needs to be sorted out. And people are looking to the 12, the apostles, to sort it out. And that, that's going to divert them or distract them from their primary duty of proclaiming the gospel and praying. So you might think that uh, church workers live this dream existence where we uh, just drink coffee and read the Bible and write talks and really float above the surface of life. But division, or at least problems, and usually very reasonable ones, and diversion, or at least distraction, is par for the course. And these two things are threats to the growth of the gospel. They're not violent threats like being flogged or thrown in jail. And they're not those extraordinary events like people being struck down. They're just everyday inhibitors of this task of gospel growth if everything falls upon the same people. And so they gather everyone together and uh, they share the problem. They come up with a solution in verses 2 to 4. And the guts of it is, as you would have heard, the apostles would continue to devote themselves to the word of God and to prayer. And other people would work out the problem of the food for the widows. Now, um, there's a few things we've got to understand about this. The first thing is the apostles were not saying they were too good to wait on tables. Okay, they weren't saying that they were above it. And that's actually one of the reasons why the, the staff team is very happy to be involved in things like Serve Manly, because scrubbing chairs and desks and toilets is not beneath any of us, I would hope. So it's not that the apostles wouldn't do it. It's that they just couldn't do it if the gospel was going to continue to grow. They were the ones who needed to be doing the preaching and the teaching and the training. The second thing you've got to get is that both the food stuff and the preaching stuff are described in these verses as service and ministry, as if to say they're operating side by side. Now have a look in verse 1. The, the word there we have for distribution, as in the daily distribution of food, is the same word as you have there in verse 2 for waiting on tables in the original language. It's the same word that's there in verse 4 for the ministry of the word. Okay, In the original Greek language the New Testament was written in, all the same word that means service or ministry. And so what it's actually saying is that one group is devoted to the serving of food, another is devoted to the serving of the word and prayer. One does ministry of tables, one does ministry of preaching and prayer. But it's all service, it's all ministry, and it all counts if the gospel is indeed going to grow. third thing you've got to get is that they didn't give over the table ministry to any old people. And that's why I cheekily titled this point, Service is Not for Everyone, because it actually isn't. At least, not every person is qualified for every kind of service or ministry. The, the people selected to look after the food and the widows, they were to be filled with the Spirit, filled with wisdom. Have a look at verse 5. Stephen is described as a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, 
In verse 8, he's full of God's grace and power, performing extraordinary miracles and giving a robust defense of the gospel. In other words, the people who looked after this ministry of tables had a spiritual maturity that matched the seriousness of the task. Or to swap it around, if you're involved in ministry or service, you actually are doing something quite serious. And it becomes of you to be growing in not just skills, not just knowledge, but also godliness and maturity. And you should not be doing it if you hate your brother or sister in Christ. And you shouldn't be doing it if you mistreat your spouse or your children or your parents or you're a swindler or a liar. Not everyone is qualified for ministry and service requires us to be growing in our wisdom and growing in our maturity. And then the fourth thing to notice really is the result in verse 7. After they'd come up with a uh, pretty sensible kind of plan that pleased the whole group, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. So when the apostles could delegate some of the tasks of church life and concentrate on the role that was before them, that is the ministry of the word and prayer, because it was their first core value as well, the number of disciples increased. The gospel grew God's church. Now what I should have said earlier is, have a look at this Growing God's Church logo. Have a look at it. What do you see? What do you notice? It's a multiplication sign. It might be obvious to you, but it had to be pointed out to me. There is a multiplication sign. Because when you multiply something, it grows. It grows in size. It grows in number. Which is what we see here. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. But did you notice that intriguing little insight that Luke, who wrote the, the book of Acts, includes for us? Have a look at the end of verse 7. A large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Why would he include that detail here? Well, it could be because Jewish priests in that age, they were the ones often responsible for things like looking after orphans and looking after widows. And so perhaps these priests heard this great gospel message, which made so much sense of the Old Testament scriptures they knew so well. And then they saw the way these Christians looked after widows and it just clicked. They heard the ministry of the word, they saw the ministry of tables, they became obedient to the faith. They experienced the service of the word, they observed the service of food, and they were persuaded that Jesus really was the fulfillment of all the expectations that were embedded in their Old Testament scriptures. Fitting service so important in growing God's church. And so we see from Acts chapter 6 that service is not for everyone. Apostles can't do it all. At least can't wait on tables full time if they're also going to give their attention to prayer and to the word. And the ministry of food is not something you can just kind of flick past to whoever is left in the line when everybody else takes a step back for people with demonstrated maturity and, and wisdom that comes from the Spirit. And yet I also just said that all ministry counts. All service is useful in growing God's church through the gospel. And, and really a corollary of that is that every Christian is a servant, aren't we? Every Christian 
is a minister. Service is for everyone. Now let me tell you, uh, if I was God, <laughs> sounds like the sort of thing Donald Trump would say, wouldn't it? If I was God, I was God. If I was God, this is what I would do. I would clone my magically babin wife, Carolyn. Um, pound for pound, I think she is the most useful person I know. Now she's little, so she's got a distinct advantage when it comes to pound for pound. But she's, uh, she's amazing. She's a weapon. She's, that's a good thing, by the way. Not like an instrument of death and torture. <laughs> she's very good with people. She's got a great capacity. She's a hard worker. She leans into things which aren't her natural giftings, like leading small groups, and then she is really good at it. She's kind to me, which requires, you know, spirit-filled wisdom and lots of hard work. So if I was God and there was lots of ministry to be done, I would say, why wouldn't you just clone pound for pound really useful people? Why wouldn't you do that? But the answer is, of course, that nobody can do it all. And Carolyn would be the first to say that she's not good at everything. She doesn't like being the centre of attention. She'd hate to be up the front. And even though she's got capacity and works hard, she gets tired at the end of the year. And so it's not going to be useful to have 50 or 100 or 1,000 of her. What we actually need is for everyone to bring themselves to the service or ministry that is before them or before you, before us. Now, of course, that includes our service to our um, in our homes, our ministry in our homes, if we're looking after children or spouses or parents or even just trying to be a decent housemate, it includes that. Of, of course, it includes our service and our ministry in our workplaces, if that's somewhere different to our homes, because we spend a lot of time there. And our presence in our workplace is not meant to be coincidental. It's meant to be prophetic. It's meant to be subversive so that our workplace is a better place because we're there so that we can somehow shine a light unto the Lord Jesus because we're there. Of course it includes our service and our ministry in our leisure and our community involvement because that counts. But it's no surprise to hear me say that it includes our service and our ministry in the church in Manly and beyond because it's not just the church that is growing through the gospel. It's also people's ministry that is represented by the multiplication sign. It's people's ministry that is growing. Because if the gospel is going to grow God's church in Manly and beyond, we need multiplying ministry, not coagulating congregations. Now, you might have heard it said that congregations congregate and ministers minister. That's what they're meant to do. Well, that's wrong. Actually, it just doesn't work like that because service at the end of the day is for everyone who has turned to the Lord Jesus Christ and trusted in him. Every Christian is a servant and we are all ministers. Now I would like to um, give a couple of ideas about how we might be able to get involved in service in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to just thank the people of St. Matthews for your service. Sometimes people say, how many people you got on team there? And I really want to say, look, about 350, give or take... 50 or so, except they would just say, you've been in salt water too long and it's messing with your head. But they wouldn't say that, they'd just silently judge me, wouldn't they? 350, give or take. 
It's an immense number of people doing lots of ministry, lots of service. And I want to thank you all who are involved in that. Thank you to all the people that are involved in Sunday services because Bruce and I can't do all the welcoming and the data and the communion setup and the prayer. And seriously, if you want to kill God's church, get Bruce and me to lead singing. <laughs> Take one week. I want to thank uh, all the people that are involved in serving our young people in kids and youth ministries, really just investing mightily in young people. I want to thank all the people that lead small groups who just recognise that word, word and prayer is a priority and uh, just take charge for ministering to small cells of people right across the church. I want to thank people who are involved in outreach ministries like Open Door and English as a Second Language and Soup Kitchen and Soul and mini mats and teaching scripture and running minks and, and much, much more. I want to thank people who are involved in pastoral care, who just look after others in their time of need. I want to thank people who at this stage or season of life, for whatever reason, cannot do anything more than come along to church. Do you know that you minister to me just by bringing your presence and your enthusiasm? Maybe that is your ministry in this season of life to bring your very presence and enthusiasm to the people. Well, let me encourage you and thank you for that. But I, I would also like to suggest some options so that as many people as possible can be a part of this core value of service. For some of you, it will be to do just what I've mentioned. You bring yourself and your presence and your enthusiasm to our time together here on Sundays. I mean, when you read the book of Acts... Don't you see a people who are energized by their time together? I mean, they met daily and it didn't seem to be enough for them. It doesn't work for any of us to kind of skip our time together because we're a little bit tired or a little too busy. I mean, who is not just a little bit tired and a little bit busy here? You don't want to put your hand up because I'm going to write it on a Connect card. <laughs> Let me tell you something about being a little bit tired and a little bit busy. It's just a phase that we're going through. That is called life, and it will pass. But we cannot wait till it passes to get involved in stuff. So bring yourself and bring your presence and your enthusiasm to our time together on Sundays and to your groups. Man, that would be a service to your group leaders who put time and effort into preparation. And it's just not as good when people don't turn up. Let me phrase that positively. It's so much better when, when people contribute to discussion and to prayer. I mean, you could actually think about how you, even though you're not the leader, might minister in your small group. Uh, maybe your small group leader needs to be the one who devotes him or herself to, uh, to the study of Scripture. Maybe you could look after prayer. Maybe you could be the one who organizes the social things. Maybe you, you could be the person who flicks out the emails with prayer points. Maybe you could look after pastoral care within the group so that ministry, even in your small group, is multiplied. Maybe you could be the next leader of that group. Maybe you could be the leader of the next group. Perhaps you'll want to try leading a study or two. You might even want to ask me for help in that and I'd be very happy to do that. Maybe you've been coming along and you've brought yourself and you've brought your presence and your enthusiasm and you think it's really time for, to get on board the ministry bus. Let me tell you about a couple of opportunities. We could, we could do with people to help invest in young ones. Uh, during the week, actually, at, at Mini Mats, uh, you don't even have to be on the team. 
young mums just connecting with other young mums, just being there, being a presence, being a face here on Sundays, a point of connection. Uh, or kids' church on Sunday, and uh, lots of opportunities to be involved there. And uh, gentlemen, let me say, I'm not just talking to the ladies here. I'm talking to you. I want all of our little ones to see both men and women being involved in their spiritual development. Don't you want that? Wouldn't it be excellent to have more people helping out? Well, that could be you. Why don't you slot your name on a Connect card in a few moments' time? Could always do with more folks that are happy to to serve on open door when just visitors are walking through to have conversations. Could do with people who are happy to cook at soup kitchen once a month. Got people who could, you know, if you've got a heart for those from a different background or language and you could help teach them English or teach scripture. Maybe you're uh, just a really friendly and personable person and, and you could look after the office phones for a few hours per week. There's stuff to be done. Is it time for you to jump on board that bus? Because I think we'd be saying, welcome aboard. If that's you, then in a moment's time, bang it out on a Connect card. Maybe you're already super involved. Uh, You do lots of ministry, you do lots of service. And one of the things that we saw in Acts chapter 6 is that those who served on tables had a spiritual maturity about them. I wonder if that's something you would like to grow in. Maybe you'll be able to come to one of the Leaders Learn sessions that Bruce is going to be rolling out in 2017. Lots of options, but that's what I'm saying. There's just lots of options of service, if service really is for everyone. Well, as we finish, begin with that question that we started with, do you serve? Very important question to consider and There's a good reason why our third core value here, alongside Bible and prayer, alongside community, is service. You think about it, without the service of the seven, the book of Acts, the church wouldn't grow beyond the capacity of the apostles to combine sorting out problems and preaching the gospel. That would have been a bottleneck. They would have been the bottleneck. But released from some of those responsibilities, they could preach and they could pray and others could serve on tables and the number of disciples grew rapidly. Could that happen in our church where division or everyday problems, reasonable ones at least, and diversion and distraction always loom? Where not just the church grows, but actually ministry multiplies. Friends, I reckon that is already happening We've got a team of about 350 people here for which we are so, so grateful. But there's room for more people and there's room for more service and there's room for more ministry. Do you serve? Really is a question worthy of being a second question you ask a Christian. What's your answer? I'm going to have a minute now where a minute of silence, um, you might like to pray through it. You might like just to quietly reflect and think about it. You might like to jot something down on a Connect card and you'll have a chance to pop that in the bags when they come around in just a minute's time. But one minute, a chance to reflect and then respond.
Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the brothers and sisters here who give themselves to the ministry that is before them. I pray that you would continue to move our hearts to always give ourselves to the ministry and the service that you have put before us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to sing in a minute.